Greetings and welcome to the Portlow's third quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Barbara Novarini, Portolo's Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our fiscal third quarter 2023 earnings call. Our 10Q earnings press release and supplemental presentation are posted at investors.portillos.com. With me on the call today is Michael Osanlu, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Michelle Hook, Chief Financial Officer. Any commentary made here about our future results and business conditions are forward-looking statements, which are based on management's current expectations and are not guarantees of future performance. We do not update these forward-looking statements unless required by law. Our 10K and our quarterly 10Qs identify risk factors that may cause our actual results to vary materially from these forward-looking statements. Today's earnings call will make reference to non-GAAP financial measures, which are not an alternative to GAAP measures. Reconciliations of these non-GAAP measures to their most comparable GAAP counterparts are included in this morning's posted materials. Finally, after we deliver our prepared remarks, we will open the lines for your questions. Now let me turn the call over to Michael Osanlu, President and Chief Executive Officer. Thank you, Barb. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining our third quarter 2023 earnings call. <clears throat> we demonstrated excellent operating leverage this quarter as total sales growth of 10.4% translated into restaurant-level EBITDA growth of 22.9%. These results highlight the benefit of our throughput, operational efficiency, and labor utilization even as we continue to expand our restaurant base. Our ability to sustain profitable growth is a key differentiator for Portillo's. The strength of our brand, the consistency of our operations, and the ongoing execution of a disciplined development strategy all support our fantastic business model. At our development day in September, we talked about how profitable unit growth is the key driver for our valuation. We also shared our plans for accelerating that growth and expanding our markets, which we know fans across the country are excited about. In fact, we've already had a great reaction from fans in our new frontiers of Colorado, Nevada, and Georgia. We can confidently play the long game because of the financial strength of our business. It continues to carry us through the ebbs and flows of the current economic environment. As a growth company, we expect the contributions of our newly opened restaurants to increase that momentum. And in Q3, we can already see the impact of new restaurant development as a countercyclical factor. Revenue contribution from our newly opened restaurants meaningfully drove year-over-year -year growth. The bulk of that improvement comes from our class of 2022 restaurants, which continue to outperform our underwriting expectations. We're opening and operating our new restaurants incredibly well, and our early read on the class of 2023 is that it will also continue this strong performance. In the third quarter, same restaurant sales grew 3.9% despite an industry-wide transaction sluggishness. The good news is that we've already seen improvements going into the fourth quarter. 
comps will fluctuate, as they've always done in this industry. What's different for us now is the growing strength of our development engine. Keep in mind that we entered this year with 72 restaurants and will end the year with 84 restaurants. So investors can count on our self-funded development to drive revenue growth in the near term, not just in some far-flung future. Our third quarter restaurant-level margin of 25.1% increased 250 basis points year-over-year. We're also well on track to deliver year-over-year margin expansion for full year 2023. We're doing this even as we add more restaurants in a single year than we ever have throughout our 60-year history. Again, this is a testament to our profitable business model. We generate enough operating capital to self-fund all of the development plans we shared with you several few weeks ago, and few growth companies can say that. Speaking of growth, let's talk about what's left for the class of 23. In Q3, we successfully opened Queen Creek, Arizona, and Allen, Texas, both of which feature our more efficient modern kitchen design, and we've since opened in Cicero, Illinois, and will open next week in Arlington, Texas. The other four restaurants in the class of 2023, Fort Worth, Texas, Claremont, Florida, Rosemont, and Algonquin, Illinois are on track to open in the fourth quarter. As a reminder, we will have opened 12 restaurants this year. Nine of those are in the Sun Belt, four in Texas, three in Arizona, and two in Florida, and we're still growing the Midwest with three in our home state of Illinois. As we continue to grow, I'd like to thank our amazing team members for bringing Portillo's to life. They're the reason why Portillo's is an experiential brand with a growing fan base. Guests can rely on Portillo's for a delicious meal at a great price point in a vibrant environment. I'm certain that by taking care of our guests, our team members make a meaningful impact on driving long-term shareholder value. So with that, let me hand it over to Michelle to discuss the quarter's financial performance. Great. Thank you, Michael. In Q3, we continue to see strong top-line revenue growth. Revenues were $166.8 million, reflecting an increase of $15.7 million, or 10.4%, compared to the third quarter of 2022. This increase in revenues was primarily due to the opening of new restaurants in 2022 and 2023 and an increase in our same restaurant sales. New restaurants contributed approximately $11 million to revenue growth in the quarter. Same restaurant sales increased 3.9% during the third quarter, which was attributable to an increase in average check of 7.4%, partially offset by a 3.5% decrease in transactions. Higher check was driven by an average 9.1% increase in menu prices, partially offset by product mix. As Michael mentioned earlier, we have seen improvements going into the fourth quarter on our combined transactions and mix. We are committed to delivering on our long-term revenue growth targets, primarily through new restaurant growth, while continuing to deliver positive comp growth. Food, beverage, and packaging costs as a percentage of revenues decreased to 33.3% in the third quarter of 2023 from 35.3% in the third quarter of 2022. This was primarily due to an increase in our revenue and lower third-party delivery commissions, partially offset by a 3.5% increase in commodity prices. We continue to estimate mid-single-digit commodity inflation for the full year. Labor, as a percentage of revenues, decreased to 25.5% in the third quarter of 2023 
from 25.9% in the third quarter of 2022. This decrease was primarily driven by an increase in our revenue, partially offset by higher labor utilization, incremental investments in our team members, including hourly rate increases and variable-based compensation. Hourly labor rates were up 1.9% in the third quarter of 2023 and up 4.8% year-to-date versus the prior year period. In the third quarter, we made additional wage investments in our team members and remain committed to providing a compelling compensation and benefits package. We continue to estimate mid-single-digit labor inflation for the full year. Other operating expenses increased 1.7 million or 10% in the third quarter of 2023. This was primarily due to the opening of new restaurants, higher credit card fees as our transition to cashless drive-throughs drove an increase in credit card transactions, as well as an increase in utilities and insurance expenses. Occupancy expenses increased 0.6 million or 7.4%, primarily driven by the opening of new restaurants in 2022 and 2023. As a percentage of revenues, occupancy expenses decreased 0.2% compared to prior year, driven by an increase in our revenue. Restaurant-level adjusted EBITDA increased 22.9% to $41.9 million in the third quarter of 2023 from $34.1 million in the third quarter of 2022. Restaurant-level adjusted EBITDA margins were 25.1% in the third quarter of 2023 compared to 22.6% in the third quarter of 2022. The improvement of restaurant-level adjusted EBITDA is on top of opening six new restaurants in the first three quarters of 2023 which all have a lower margin profile to start. We believe this improvement was the result of our ongoing efforts to deploy strategic pricing actions, elevate guest experiences, and implement operational efficiencies. The strength of our brand, the consistency of our operations, and the ongoing execution of a disciplined development strategy all drive long-term shareholder value creation. Near term, we do anticipate pressure on restaurant-level adjusted EBITDA margins from the planned openings of six new restaurants in the fourth quarter and the ongoing roll-off of pricing. On pricing, as a reminder, we have taken two pricing actions this year. In January, we increased menu prices by approximately 2%. At the beginning of May, we increased menu prices by approximately 3%. These increases continue to combat inflationary cost pressures and contribute towards our goal of restaurant-level adjusted even a margin expansion for fiscal 2023. We did have 3.4% of pricing that rolled off in October, which puts us at an effective 5.5% price increase the last few months of this year. We will continue to monitor our cost pressures, the competitive landscape, as well as consumer sentiment to inform our pricing decisions in the coming quarters. Our G&A expenses increased 0.8 million to 11.3% in the third quarter of 2023 from 12% in the third quarter of 2022. This increase was primarily driven by higher variable-based compensation and an increase in wages and related costs, partially offset by a decrease in professional fees and insurance expenses. We are currently estimating G&A to be in the range of 78 to 80 million for the full fiscal year. Pre-opening expenses increased 1.6 million to 1.4% in the third quarter of 2023 from 0.5% in the third quarter of 2022. The increase was due to the timing and geographic location of activities related to our planned new restaurant openings. 
all of this led to adjusted EBITDA of $27.3 million in the third quarter of 2023 versus $21.6 million in the third quarter of 2022, an increase of 26.2%. Below the EBITDA line, interest expense was $6.6 million in the third quarter of 2023, a decrease of $0.5 million from the third quarter of 2022. This decrease was primarily driven by improved lending terms associated with our 2023 term loan and revolver facility. As of the end of Q3, the effective interest rate on the term loan and revolver was 8.5%. Income tax expense was $2.6 million in the third quarter of 2023, an increase of $1.6 million from the third quarter of 2022. Our effective tax rate for the quarter was 28.6%, versus 23.9% in the third quarter of 2022. Our effective tax rate increased versus the third quarter of 2022, primarily driven by an increase in Class A equity ownership, which increases our share of taxable income or loss. We expect the full year tax rate to be approximately 21 to 23%. We ended the quarter with 12.9 million in cash. As a reminder, we invest our operating cash flows and available cash into our future by self-funding our new restaurant growth. We currently estimate the CapEx range to be 75 to 80 million versus the previous range of 70 to 75 million. We increase this range based on capital being deployed ahead of the 2024 pipeline. Our average net build cost per restaurant remain in the range we disclosed at development day in December. We remain committed to delivering healthy top-line and bottom-line growth in 2023 and beyond. Thank you for your time, and with that, I'll turn it back to Michael. Thanks, Michelle. And before we open for questions, I'd just like to reiterate how proud I am of Portillo's, our teams, and all we have to offer. We're a growth company, and we continuously earn the right to grow because we manage our core business profitably. Q3 was another quarter with really great margins. Our investors can count on us to deliver on both the top and bottom line to keep funding that growth. This starts with efficient operations, which our, our engaged team members drive every single day. Their dedication and hard work creates a fantastic experience for our guests and keeps them coming back. This is our flywheel, and you'll see that it's really starting to spin. We expect our momentum to last long into the future. And with that, let's open the line for questions. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation phone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your headset before pressing the star keys. Our first question comes from Sharon Zegfeld with William Blair. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. I know you don't normally talk about recent trends, but you, you did bring it up on the call, and I, I think a lot of others have had to as well, just given kind of what seems to be a, a return to more normal seasonality um, in the quarter. I guess, do you concur that, you know, part of the slowdown that you saw in the third quarter was more normal kind of pre-pandemic seasonality, or do you think there's something else happening in the business? And, you know, as you think about the rebound here in October, how do you think about pricing power value proposition as you, um, as you look towards 2024? 
Yeah, good morning, Sharon. Thanks. Um, uh, great question. And, and yes, um, we don't normally like to talk and, and talk about what's going on, but uh, given the context and how everyone else has opined on it, we felt it was appropriate. We are seeing strong momentum uh, across the board in October, and, and, I, and I think you're 100% right. We're back to I, uh, what I think is uh, more of a normal rhythm in the restaurant industry, going back to 2019 kind of mindset. Uh, you know, third quarter is always a little bit of a sluggish quarter for the restaurant industry, and and, uh, and typically we come roaring back in the fourth quarter. So we're seeing a much more consistent pattern with the past. So we're, we're happy about that, and we feel very optimistic for our fourth quarter. Um, with regards to the second part of your question, uh, look, we, we feel we, – we are very, very, um, uh, I guess, astute on – monitoring our pricing versus all of our competitors. We look at our typical basket versus everybody else. We compare ourselves to not just uh, fast casual, but QSR and, and, and sort of the best of QSR. And we feel we have a very strong price position, uh, but we're also a little cautious and we're gonna play it by ear. We're, we, we foregone, we went, we forewent, I guess, any pricing in October. As Michelle indicated, we're going to have a 2% pricing that we're going to lap off of in January, and we're still evaluating whether or not we do anything there. Um, we feel we can. That's not the issue. But what we, we really do want to protect our price position and be a really great value for our guests. So that's the balancing act for us. Thanks. And, and I just I, I guess I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I hear all the time from investors, like, you know, how does – Portillo stack up as a long-term investment if traffic is slightly negative, um, which has been for a couple of quarters. So it would be great if you could help contextualize um, maybe what's happening in traffic. Um, and, and I know you're burdened by this, you know, big Chicago base where you've got kind of declining population. Um, but if you could help frame kind of why the optimism on the long-term when investors look at the near term and they think, well, like, you know, what's the consumer saying with that traffic number? Yeah, I think I think you actually said it well. Uh, <laughs> thank you for teeing up the answer. But look, the Midwest and in particularly in Chicago, we're in a negative population state, right? So uh, as population declines, that makes transaction growth very, very challenging. You effectively have to steal share from other people. Um, as I enumerated, the bulk of our growth is Texas, Florida, Arizona all states with significant population growth. And so we are putting ourselves in a position where, just from a transaction standpoint, it, it's almost transaction arbitrage. We're in, we're, we, are, we are repurposing capital to states with transaction tailwind, and we will be a beneficiary of that, along with all the other restaurant companies that are in those markets. Um, what we like to think is that in Chicagoland and in the Midwest, we can fight the negative macro trends with the strength of our brand and steel share where appropriate. But in these growth markets where we're repotting ourselves and putting all of our capital, uh, we can, we can, uh, you know, we can rise with the rest of the tide there. So that, that's, that's the play for us. I don't, I, you know, that, that play is going to have some quarterly fluctuation. We're not frankly too torqued up about that. Um, but over the period, over, over the quarters, the years, uh, we're very confident in Portillo's transaction strength, in Portillo's traffic strength, in Portillo's comp strength, 
and, and especially our margin strength. Sharon, I'll just jump in for a minute and, and reiterate our long-term growth algorithm, right, of that low single-digit comp growth and, and the revenue growth that we're going to generate from the new units, as we talked about on the call, that's really going to drive um, that revenue growth as we go forward. And, and we're definitely not saying I know how important comp is. And, you know, as Michael said in his prepared remarks, that will ebb and flow. But um, that new unit growth and the development that, that we see in the pipeline, I think, is really going to propel us. Um, and so I'd say, you know, that's definitely the investment thesis for Portillo's. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from Andy Barish with Jefferies. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, on the labor line, um, you know, some nice leverage there, you know, again, you know, where seasonality maybe goes against you a little bit. Um, I think you quoted the um, – Wage increases were all, you know, were only around two percent for the quarter. So, did we read into that the, you know, the wage investment that you took kind of, um, you know, picked up steam in the latter part of the three Q? Just trying to dive those, you know, those comments with the with the results. No, I, I think Andy, you're right. Uh, Q3 labor was up 1.9 percent, and we did make the investments um, in late June, early July in terms of uh, those wage increases. And they were, they were normal increases. So there was nothing um, with the increases that was out of the ordinary, I call it. And as we go into Q4, I expect that the Q4 inflation rate will be very similar to what we saw in Q3. So nothing I would call out, Andy, that indicates that Q4 would look any different than Q3 from an inflationary standpoint. Keep in mind, Andy, your to date number on wage inflation is 4.8 percent. So that's that that that's uh, that's something to just have in your head. Yeah, we started to laugh, yeah. Andy. Some of the wage increases that we had given in prior years that that started to roll off. And and again, to Michael's point, we're up just under 5 percent year to date. And when you look at even versus 2021, we're up just under 17 percent and actually up 30% when you go back versus 2020. So, yes, we've made significant investments in labor over the past three years, but we're starting to see that normalize. Right. And then um, just with the number of openings, you know, in the fourth quarter, any, you know, any kind of guardrails or guidance on, you know, on that restaurant-level margin, you know, sequentially or year-over-year, year, I'm assuming, Assuming it's going to be down sequentially with all those new openings, but um, you know anything there to just kind of help us with um, you know with those six openings in the quarter. Yeah, I, I would say Andy, when you look at we already um, said Cicero opened in October, and Michael mentioned Arlington's going to open shortly, um, and then when you look at the remaining restaurants, those are going to open uh, later in Q4, and so yes, you get a little bit of impact to the margins. Uh, but also the pricing that rolls off, too, the 3.4% pricing that rolls off um, does impact you when you look at that margin picture in Q4 as well. And so, yes, I do expect sequential margin decline Q3 versus Q4. But I do expect when you look at quarter over quarter, Q4 22 versus Q4 23, I'll have margin improvement. Got it. And then just final, one final one for me. I'm, I'm uh, happy to hear about the start, um, you know, to the fourth quarter, you know, kind of in line with what we've been hearing from others and seeing in industry data. I, I think last year your 
catering business, you know, kind of really got got hurt with the weather and the sort of the holiday week. Um, anything else that we should be aware of just, you know, as the fourth quarter unfolds versus year ago, um, yeah. you know, kind of cadence? Yeah, um, <clears throat> you'll, you're excellent recollection, Andy. We had uh, uh, Winter Storm Elliot, a name that will live in infamy for me, but it it ruined uh, the Christmas holiday season. It was the week right after Christmas, and that's a really big week for us from a catering standpoint. So it really pulled the rug out from under our catering business. We're hoping for more uh, mild weather, I guess, in the Midwest. So knock on wood for that. But that, that did pull the rug out from underneath us. And you will recall that this is a unique year in that we have a 53rd week. So, you know, we obviously we'll report like-for-like uh, like numbers, 52-week. But we, we do have a 53rd week, which will uh, create a little bit of extra, um, I don't know, momentum for the year. Thank you. Our next question comes from David Tarantino with Fired. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, uh, Michael. For what it's worth, I'm also hoping for more mild weather in the in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> Amen, so, David. So, I uh, I had a couple questions. One is on the the October trend that you referenced. I, w I was hoping maybe you could give us some sense of magnitude of the improvement from what you saw in the the third quarter, just so that we're all on the same page here. Um. Uh, Michelle's giving me a dirty look, as, as is my IR person. Let's just say that we're definitely into positive territory in terms of transactions, and I think that's all I can say right now. Um, so we're very optimistic about that. We've also, um, you know, we're, we're also, in part of that G&A spent, we spent a little bit of money on advertising in Chicagoland. If you're an unfortunate Bears fan and you've been watching Bears games or Monday Night Football or the World Series, you will have seen some Portillo's advertising. And whenever we do brand-enhancing marketing like that, it, it tends to have a positive impact for us. And so uh, we've seen a little bit of that, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to drive some momentum into the fourth quarter. So we're, we're optimistic, uh, and I think we're you know pulling some levers to make sure that the traffic trends remain what we have seen. Great. Thank you for that context. Um, the other question I had is, is on new unit contribution. So I guess the way we model it, it came in a little, a little light of where, what we had modeled, and and it looked like maybe the the average weekly sales for the new units is a little lower than what you saw in prior quarters. So I just wanted to understand that dynamic and whether it might be related to kind of coming off some some of the honeymoons in the early part of the yeah. year, or if there's something else going on. I would encourage you to double-check mo your, your models and adjust timing because I think that it, depending on if you assume the mid-quarter convention for each new unit, uh, we, we honestly didn't do that. We, uh, most of our units are opening up towards the end of each quarter. And, you know, like the ones in the fourth quarter, you should be modeling them late in the fourth quarter. Obviously, we're already into the fourth quarter. But it, it's, uh, it's not a function of they're coming in softer. It's a function of uh, – of when they're opening and when you model them within a quarter. Perfect. And any comment, Michael, on the second Texas location, how that's open so far? We're very happy with Alan. Um, we're very happy with Alan. We're very happy with Alan. 
I think Arlington is going to be fantastic. I mean, we're, we're super excited about Texas. Um, uh, we're, you know, I'm eager to get Arlington open. It's a beautiful restaurant. The team is chomping at the bit. Um, and then, you know, we've got Fort Worth coming in shortly after that, and we already pre-announced Denton early 24. So I'm excited to get to five restaurants in the state of Texas in Dallas Metro <clears throat> within 12 months, which is uh, – you know, for us, uh, for us, that's an audacious uh, task that we just uh, took on and accomplished. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Our next question comes from Chris of Colwish Tifo. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Chris. Um, good morning. Uh, Michael, the industry has started to get more promotional. I think you mentioned incremental advertising here recently, but what other initiatives can the company take to keep traffic flat to positive if it needs to? Yeah. Um, so I want to I, I knit, Matt, with one thing. That you, so the industry has gotten promotional. Portillo's does not get promotional. We don't discount. So you're not going to see a dollar menu. We're not going to do shrinkflation. That's just not who we are. I, I support when we do brand-enhancing activities. Just a reminder of who Portillo's is. And, um, you know, our marketing is showing pictures of our food, right, because uh, it's, it's craveable, it's delicious, it's a reminder of why people love Portillo's. Um, I think our team did an amazingly creative job with the existing advertising, which is the sounds of Portillo's, hearing um, sort of the, the crunch of the onion rings as they fall onto your, your plate, things like that. So. It's brilliant, it's brilliant brand-enhancing advertising. And we're seeing the impact of all of the macro trends, Chris. So our dining rooms are really full, and that's because I think that, you know, with price points where they are in casual dining, we are a refuge from that. We have fantastic food in a beautiful environment, and, uh, and it, it's working really well for us. Our drive throughs did get a little slowdown in Q3, and that's because of exactly what you're describing, some very aggressive uh, discounting activities by QSR, which, again, we don't, we don't discount. And so there's going to be a shopper that chooses to go get a, a dollar burger or a $2 burger versus our burger. And, uh, you know, when, when, when economy gets better, they'll come back to us. Or when they want to sit down with their family, they'll come into our dining rooms. And so I think we just ride that ebb and flow a little bit. We're happy with where we're positioned. We're not going to promote, we're not going to discount, but we are going to remind people of how delicious our food is and how craveable it is in a brand-enhancing way. The other lever for us to pull is excellent execution. You know, one of the things that I don't think people uh, talk about because it's not a short-term fix, it's a medium and long-term fix, is when you give great experiences to guests every single day, that's the number one reason why they choose to go back to a restaurant. It's not because of a coupon or a discount or something, but it's because when I went there, I had a great experience, and I want to go back. And so that's another way that you can differentiate yourself over the medium and long term and drive consistent traffic by just being operationally sound. And that's, that's, that is our mantra internally. We're going to be the most operationally sound restaurant company we can be, and that, that, will, drive, uh, that will drive performance. Okay, that's fair. And then – you know, the margin performance was clearly impressive this quarter, and I'm just wondering whether there's whether you think there may be an opportunity to give back some of that margin improvement to, to enhance the value proposition 
uh, either through changes to some of the menu items or yeah. um, maybe something else that you think could maybe improve value? Yeah, I think that's a great, again, another great question. It's one of the reasons why we decided to forego any pricing for the remainder of this year. And that's essentially, you know, we're, we're, our pricing is coming down to 5.5%, and that, that's one way of giving value back. We did not engage in any shrinkflation, lowering quality, doing anything like that over the last couple of years. In fact, what we've done is we've added value, right? We, we spend more money on bacon. We have, I think, the best bacon in the, uh, in the restaurant industry that we're selling right now. So if you try our bur bacon burgers, they're amazing. Um, and, and we've consistently done that. We've added uh, quality. And, and so that's the other thing that we do is I'd rather, in terms of reducing prices, getting to some sort of lower value, uh, lower cost meal, we'd rather just improve the other aspects of value. We'd rather improve the quality of what you're getting. We'd rather improve the quantity of what you're getting. We'd rather improve your experience. And, uh, and then maintain prices as opposed to raising prices. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from Dennis Geiser with UBS. Please go ahead. Great, thanks. Good morning, guys. Um, wanted to ask uh, if anything additional to highlight on the you know, sort of observed customer behavior changes, perhaps, whether it's day parts, days of the week, off-premise, versus on, delivery, anything discernible over the last several months there, uh, Michael and Michelle, you would call out? I think we're largely, in some ways, our channel mix is very stable. Um, unsurprisingly, you know, our drive-throughs have a little bit of pressure on them, uh, given the promotional activity in QSR. And our dining rooms have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, extra momentum, given the pressures that casual dining is facing. And so, it's uh, for us. It's a really uh, nice dynamic. The, the other thing that frankly surprises all of us every day we look at is that our third-party delivery partners are still doing a really good job with us. We continue to grow third-party delivery, uh, and and that you know uh, is great news. It's also a little bit mystifying given uh, consumer pressures out there, but we're doing we're, we feel really confident with where we are right now. That's great. Thanks, Michael. And then uh, just one uh, maybe two-part question. For, um, first, I guess, maybe I missed this, but as it relates to, to cannibalization, anything there that you saw in, in the quarter, even if even if modest, worth, um, worth calling on the, the second sort of unrelated part of the question? I know we were uh, just spent a month, a month and a half ago, spent some time on, on development, of course, but, but any kind of latest update on, on timing, permitting, et cetera, I assume it's probably steady as she goes since uh, – a month and a half ago, but but any update there? A lot of folks have been shifting into next year. You guys obviously are going to going to get these open. So just curious if if anything has shifted um, with the open environment on on some of that timing stuff. Yeah, Dennis, I'll I'll take the cannibalization. Um, there's been no changes since uh, we gave the impact last quarter at the 60 to 80 basis points. We're seeing uh, roughly the same impact in Q3, so um, continues to be uh, fairly insignificant for us. So. Uh, we don't expect that to, to be a significant headwind for us as we move forward, but it was roughly the same as it was in Q2. And then with regard to uh, permitting and those things, uh, I don't want to sound too glib, but it's sort of whatever that military acronym is for SNAFU, Situation Normal, All 
messed up. Um, we continue to face delays and all kinds of like last minute things with getting utilities hooked up, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're just, um, I think we have reconciled ourselves to this, this is a new normal. And so, you know, we continue to pad hours and weeks, uh, actually months into the building cycle for us so that we can still, you know, control what we can control, build the restaurants as quickly and as adeptly as we can. And then um, the stuff that you can't control, just it build enough cushions so you're not disappointed from uh, budgeting, timelines, et cetera. Great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Anna. Our next question comes from Sarah Senator with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, Michelle, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the idea of, like, sort of what flow-through margins should look like. And I, I think in, in, in specifically, um, you know, the, you took sort of a fair amount of price. Most of the margin expansions seem to come from food. So, you know, I think through, like, labor and occupancy particularly, uh, or other operating, I should say, in the, in the context of maybe additional drags um, from new units coming on in fourth quarter, um, you know, do you have any sort of uh, sort of framework for like what's the right comp number to to get margin expansion on some of those fixed lines? Um, and, and similarly, in the same vein, like GNA, you know, has, is up creeping up a little bit. So just trying to kind of calibrate incremental revenues or same store sales versus flow through margin on the restaurant line, and also um, GNA. And then and then I'll have a, a one follow up question. Yeah, Sarah, I think when you look. Um, quarter over quarter, I'll talk Q4 22 versus 23, right? You're really, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, commodities, when you look at that and you look at what we're running on that um, on that food line for us, I think that's where you see some of the improvement quarter over quarter. I think if you're talking sequentially Q3 versus Q4, um, we do have the pricing rolling off, so that's going to be a headwind. And as these new units come on, um, you know, we talked about they're coming on later in the quarter, but that does have, you know, a, a bit of an impact when you think about particularly that labor line. And so I see the improvement coming year over year and quarter over quarter, um, primarily from that uh, commodities line when you look at that, because I think labor is generally, when you look at Q4 22 versus uh, 23 will generally be in line, um, and so you get the impact of the commodities. But sequentially, I think, we'll be impacted with that pricing rolling off. Okay. Yeah, I was more thinking year over year, just this idea that yeah. 3Q versus 3Q, um, you know, you had some improvement, but most yeah. it seemed from commodities. So is that that's sort of the same? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you have the okay. nail on the head. If you look at okay. yep, Q3 of last year, uh, we were running at about uh, just over 35% versus the 33% this year. And so I don't expect Q4 of this year to change uh, much sequentially. I think inflation will be um, very similar to what we saw in Q3 from a commodity standpoint. Okay. And so as we think about the complexion of margin, you know, year over year, 4Q should look similar to 3Q in the sense of most of the tailwind coming from the commodities. Correct. Okay. Um, and then – uh, even with perhaps better transaction trends. As Michael mentioned, in October, uh, we are seeing better trends. And I said in my prepared remarks, when we look at transactions mixed combined, yes, we're seeing improved trends versus what we saw in uh, Q3. 
Right, but still thinking about the margin construct similarly, even though trends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll follow yeah. you. Okay. And then, and then just on again on GNA, um, you know, sort of thinking through that increase, uh, you know, it, how how should sort of I think about you know sort of your the variable comp, um, you know, in terms of when we think about your long term algorithm, you know, should we think about your sort of internal goals as consistent with that, so that uh, you know, as we're trying to sort of think about where there might be upside in terms of variable comp, it should look sort of similar to what you've articulated as your long-term growth targets? Yeah, correct. As you know, long-term, we're targeting 75% of that revenue growth rate as we think about, and you think about modeling G&A in the future. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's how we think about it internally. Uh, for the fourth quarter, uh, we increased the range. I think Michael mentioned the incremental uh, dollars we're spending on advertising in the fourth quarter within our just our core market of Chicagoland where we have scale. Uh, we think that's definitely, um, I think to Chris's question earlier, one of the levers that we can pull as we're in this, um, as Michael mentioned, it's sluggish environment. Uh, in a market that we have scale, like our, our market of Chicago, we can pull that lever, Sarah. Um, and that's where we're seeing the increase in the investment that we made in G&A. And that's why you're seeing that range go up in particular in uh, for the full year why we raised that range. Okay, got it. Thank you. Yep. Our next question comes from Gregory Frank for Guggenheim. Please go ahead. Hey, hey thanks. I, I just had a couple of quick ones. Um, the, the first is, I know you guys have not historically wanted to comment a lot about um, trends regionally, but just, just given the traffic declines, I'm curious, any big differences between either Chicago and non-Chicago or, or regional things to call out? No, I mean, Greg, first, good morning. I, I wouldn't say so. I think that, you know, we obviously look we look very carefully at our traffic trends and transaction trends, and uh, we use black box. We compare ourselves within Chicagoland, outside Chicagoland. And I would tell you, overall, the trends are pretty consistent, and the improvements are pretty consistent. So I, I don't think there's anything idiosyncratic there. With our Got performance versus market, yeah. Okay. Got it. And then, and then just uh, we've, we've seen um, a few companies start to talk about 2024 labor inflation in the mid-single-digit yeah. range. I, I think it's interesting you guys are running sort of below that. I don't know if that's something to do with either where you are regionally or um, – I'm, I'm just curious if, if you kind of think that that's – I know it might be a little bit early if that's something that would be consistent with what you guys would expect or um, yeah. if you guys might be able to run below that next year. So a couple thoughts. Keep in mind that our labor inflation year-to-date is 4.8%, right? So that's, that's where we are. And I'll let Michelle talk about what's going to happen uh, going forward. But there's, it, it's, so there's a whole bunch of noise in this. So our overall labor is negatively affected by labor, wage inflation. It's kind of a mixed news on our staffing is really good right now. We're, we are much better staffed than we were last year, uh, which is a good news and a bad news. The good news is it means our guests are getting great experiences. Our restaurants are fully staffed. We can handle volume. You know, the bad news is it puts a little bit of pressure on the labor line because it means, you know, you're, you're spending more money. Uh, it pays off over time, so it's a no-brainer to do that. And then the really positive news, and I'm very proud of our ops team, is we continue to get appropriate labor leverage in operational efficiencies. 
Um, we, I made kind of a big deal about we've got a new kitchen design in Queen Creek in Allen, Texas. That new kitchen design is meant to reduce wasted effort. And by wasted effort, I mean needless conveyance, people walking 50 feet to go get something when there should be uh, a refrigerator bin right by their feet. And so our, our kitchens are more efficiently designed. It reduces conveyance. We've gotten smart about reducing prep work, et cetera. So it's those, those three factors, really, Greg, affect labor. Rising rates, you know, how well-staffed you are, and then are you getting efficiency by removing uh, effort that, that is not value-added? And so the net of those is, is, is how we are going to manage our labor line. And I think we can, you know, we're still targeting to offset most of the wage inflation. Michelle, I mean, yeah, yeah, Greg, I would just add, as, as we look at 24, obviously we're putting those plans together. Nothing that I'm seeing today indicates that we're going to um, be different than what we saw this year, which uh, when you think about that mid-single-digit wage inflation, I don't anticipate us being outside of that range as I sit here today. Got it. And maybe just one, one last one. I know this is kind of more model-focused than I would like for these calls, but the, the, the last week between Christmas and New Year's, I think it shifts between 1Q and, and 4Q, this, uh, the coming two quarters. Is that yeah. a big sales volume week for you? And just just in terms of right-sizing both the impact on 4Q, but also potentially the impact yeah. on 1Q of next year. Yeah, it's that's generally the week after uh, Christmas. And so as Michael mentioned, um, we see a lot of catering leading up to that Christmas time, Greg, as he mentioned. And so I would say – what we saw last year, Michael mentioned Elliot, and we saw like an immediate pickup in sales last year right after the year ended in 22. So that first week in fiscal 23, we saw a big pickup. So as we're lapping that week, um, I, that week could be pre that 53rd week. Let me just say it could be year over year a little bit pressured because you had the pickup from Elliot last year versus this year. If that makes sense to you, so. Long story short, it, I don't say it's like a, a huge uh, blowout week for us. I think the week prior, uh, when you look at that Christmas Eve, Christmas timing, uh, is a lot of the bigger cater vol catering volume that we see. Understood. Thank you. No problem. Our next question comes from Ryan Harbour with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, th thank you. Good morning. Um, morning, Brian. Morning, Brian. Michelle, just to, to kind of follow on those comments about 24, do you have any kind of early thoughts on commodities next year at this point? Or, you know, even on the beef side, do you think it, there could be a little less inflation than, than 23 or maybe something similar? Uh, I, I don't think beef's going to lighten up, Brian, into next year. So I think that'll still be pressured. Uh, I mentioned on the last call, you know, we're still take, we're taking positions. Uh, into 24, and so when we look at the B flats, we're trying to de-risk some of that line item, and we have taken some positions into both Q1 and Q2 uh, of next year to de-risk that, but no, I expect that to continue to be pressured, but when we look at the overall basket, I'll, I'll say the same thing I said about labor. As I sit here today, um, I don't expect to be outside of that mid-single digit range. We'll update you all as, as we get into the new year at ICR with what we're seeing uh, for, for the full 24 fiscal year, but I'm not seeing anything today that would indicate uh, anything beyond that mid-single digit for 24 as well on the commodity line. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Um, in just on four-wall margins, I mean, they, they have been quite strong year-to-date, so you're kind of comfortably higher, as you've suggested. Do you, do you think that's 
you know, mainly influenced by just strong new store openings. Maybe they're kind of, you know, ramping a bit quicker than you thought or or anything else broadly that you'd characterize has, has really helped store margins. I, I want to brag about my team because I, I will tell you that the labor efficiencies that we've gotten by putting people in the right position and remove, and reducing conveyance has been a big help. Otherwise, labor would have been out of control. Michelle and her team have done a brilliant job of forward buying beef and so and, and doing other creative things to make sure that we're not as uh, uh, we're not uh, held hostage to the beef prices. So uh, you know we, we track very carefully where our beef flats are versus the market, and we're really happy with what we're paying versus the market. And I give a lot of credit to my my team for that. So it's a lot of. Um, Brian, it's a lot of pick and shovel work behind the scenes to make sure that those margins are as robust as they are. Absolutely, having great new restaurants that open above uh, your targets helps. Undeniably, that helps. But there's a lot of, like, heavy lifting behind the scenes that goes into maintaining those kind of margins. And and our team across the board is doing a great job of of, uh, protecting our shareholders and funding our growth. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Our next, sorry, our next question comes from Brian Mullen with Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Ashling on for Brian. Um, I'm just wondering if you could comment on mix. It looks like it was still negative in the quarter, but it's improved sequentially. Uh, I know this negative mix dynamic is not unique to Portillo's, but just wondering if there's been any changes as to what's driving this and what it could look like as we progress into 2024. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We did see uh, improvements to your point in the mix, uh, going from negative 2.7 in Q2 to about negative 1.8 in Q3. I think, Ashley, to Michael's point, um, in Q4, we're, we're seeing uh, improvements on both transactions and mix. So we're seeing some improvements of that uh, into Q4. I'd say nothing's changed underlying that in terms of we're still seeing the lower attachment, the less items per transaction. Uh, that that's the main component of that mix change. So nothing I would call out that's changed from what we previously discussed on that line item. Great, thank you. Yep. There are no further questions at this time. So this concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at that time. Thank you for your participation.